the garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990 with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. You're here with Kenneth, Veda, and Jim on the Mighty 990. (laughs) Psych. I I always add another word each week, so... Good morning, Mr. Jim and Miss Veda. Howdy. Uh, driving in this morning, you know, still a little warm out there. I promise a you. Little. I thought yesterday, I'm like, mm-mm. I'm, I don't know. You know, the older I get, this humidity, it's not for me. You know, uh-uh. I got to figure out something go. different. I know. I was thinking this morning, um, was the trade-off worth it where it was so nice and then just bam, it's so humid. Yeah, I think it was. It was worth it. You know, it. I'm just complaining. Because we could have you know, been doing this it. a couple weeks ago. <sighs> Lord, we could have been doing this for quite a while. So we're going to talk about humidity-resistant plants. <laughs> is there is there such thing as that? All of them out there. You know, they get along with it just fine. Yeah, It's exactly. just those humans that have a problem with it. Oh, well. So, Jim, go ahead. <laughs> well, the humidity <laughs> is an issue because um, we've had a lot this week. People come uh, showing powdery mildew on plants. I wrote that down. And powdery mildew doesn't need for the foliage to be wet. All it needs is humidity. Uh, so it is. Uh, it's gone rampant, I think, and uh, and it's going to get going to get worse. Yeah, mm-hmm. and for anybody and everybody that has dogwoods, you better go out there and make your rounds, um, because I've seen tons of uh, powdery mildew on dogwoods and also in thracnose, both. Mm-hmm. And uh, people are bringing in samples of leaves that just look scarred. You know, they got black spots in them, got mildew on them. They're turning black, curling up, and falling off. And they're like, what is wrong with my dogwood? And I've seen it basically, I mean, people are bringing in samples every day of the week. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So I'm like, look, guys, it's, you know, it's probably every dogwood out there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, going out there and just, uh, you know, raking up the debris that's on the ground, uh, spraying with a, uh, you know, just a good fungicide that has both, you know, anthracnose and powdery mildew uh, on the label. Um, yeah, and- well, I was noticing that we had a lot of, of course, this is harder to do in your garden, but the placement a lot of times makes a difference. But on one of our shelves, we had a lot of coneflower, and it was pushed together, and then there was a shrub that was next to it that was kind of over the coneflower mm-hmm. a little bit. And it had little powdery mildew spots on it. Oh, and so you know, when I moved the shrub and spread them out, yeah. fertilized them. Then I just changed the environment, so the powder, powdery mildew went away. But if it's in your garden, you have you just can't move them to another location. Yeah, I mean, overhead irrigation, high humidity that Jim was just talking mm-hmm. about, crowded plants, um, you know, poor air circulation. I mean, all of that you know, has an effect with powdery mildew and other diseases also. See, that would have an effect on me. Poor air circulation and crowded conditions (laughs) would have an effect on me too. So, But but there's some good fungicides. I mean, you know, the Fertilome liquid systemic fungicide, it's got anthracnose and mildew on the label. Uh, You know, there's uh, copper that does a pretty good job. There's uh, actually uh, microbutanol, which is in uh, F-Stop, does a good job. Good product. Yeah, I mean, you just got to get out there and, and spray, come back in about, you know, a week or 10 days and spray again, and then any time after that is necessary. But I'm telling you guys, I mean, mildew and, and anthracnose, both, mm-hmm. uh, are just eating dogwoods up. And then there's always your old-time favorites, you know, your bee bomb, your garden mm-hmm. flocks, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some of those Great plants. Uh, honeysuckle. I mean, they're going to get it, okay? Yeah. So just be uh, be aware and, uh, you know, 
just spray as needed, but especially this early mm-hmm. in the season, uh, or I say this early in the season, you know, it's mid-spring, right? But it's just now yeah. starting to get really hot and humid. Is this? Oh, because the first day of summer is June 21st. Uh, there you go. So, I mean, yeah. But it, we're, we're seeing a lot of it in the garden center every day, so yeah. be aware of that for sure. Good old powdery mild. In little spots of it here and there is not a big issue, but if it's really covering the foliage of the plants, it makes it hard to, to have energy to now, get food. You know, whether or not you spray just kind of depends on, you know, look at the plant. And if you've just got a little bit isolated on the bottom Maybe just removing a few leaves and and cleaning up underneath it is all you need to do. But if it's covering, you know, 75% of the plant, then it's affecting the overall Mm -hmm. health of the plant. And then you really need to do something. Yeah, you know, that's like a good point of sometimes if it's only a leaf or two. Because how many times, or say, for instance, I walk through the garden center and you're going to see a brown leaf there, a yellow leaf there. If you look hard enough, you're going to find... You're going to find yellow leaves. But if somebody came in with some of the, just that one leaf off of a, one shrub that was beautiful is just losing a leaf because yeah. then you're sitting here analyzing this leaf thinking, you know, you could just think all of these things that would really be wrong. And there's really it's nothing just wrong. the fact that you have to have a leaf or two. I mean, just think in the garden center, some uh, people inspect like the limbs and they look under the leaves before they leave with it and then they wonder why there's a little brown leaf right there and they don't want to leave with walk out with anything that's got one little blemish on it yeah kind of like and, you see you find the one yellow leaf on the hibiscus yeah you're gonna find that every day right right you know there's exactly. nothing wrong with that hibiscus so kind of analyze that situation that doesn't mean you have to spray your entire yard because one leaf just naturally decided to defoliate. Well, but we are seeing a lot. In fact, we've seen a lot of fungal activity this whole growing season. You know, it's, it's been such a wet, cool spring. And I tell people it's, it's just a petri dish for fungal activity. It really is. Um, you know, it started out, we started seeing a lot of fungal activity in people's lawns, um, Bermudas and mostly zoysias because zoysia is just such a thick turf. And, you know, we started seeing a good bit of dieback because of this, uh, this, this fungal activity. And, you know, there again, I mean, going back to your cultural practices, uh, you know, not trying to keep your lawn too wet, uh, even though you didn't have a problem mm-hmm. with that because of all the rain we had. Um, catching the clippings, you know, if you've got a, a fungal problem, uh, spraying or, or putting down a granulated fungicide, mm-hmm. uh, you know, read the label and know how to do it, understand right. it. You usually come back in two weeks and do it again. Don't have a yard. Well, like no. Like Jim, <laughs> in that one of your backyard. Just, Just don't have a yard. <laughs> <laughs> don't have any fungal problems if you don't have a yard. But I mean, but think about this growing season that we've already had, guys. I yeah. mean, it really has been a very overall wet mm-hmm. and cool uh, spring and that's like I said that's just setting everybody up for for fungal activity yeah sure been a good one for flowers though it has been. i mean hydrangeas have just been spectacular mm-hmm. and i don't know this year i've got um i got echinaceas cone flowers that are as tall as i am i've seen I mean, some of those why i don't understand why they're that tall uh-huh. this year. well we know why the hydrangeas are doing so well i mean thank god the well, blooming tissue wasn't frozen off this past winter but they love that good mm-hmm. cold chill to perform well the next year. Like Jim says, you know, he calls them an old mountain plant anyway, yeah. you know. Uh, and, and you know, it's just amazing how they look this year compared to last year. Uh, yeah, because we didn't have blooms no, last year. No, you know, yeah. so, I mean, I agree with what you're saying. But, and also, um, you know, we are seeing some spots even on the the hydrangeas, you know, talking about fungus there again. So just, just make your rounds, be aware 
Uh, there's potential for a lot of fungal activity out there. There's some really good fungicides, uh, of course, you can spray. So uh, this well, might be the year you might have to get the fungicide off the shelf. Uh, more times than not. Yeah, I'm still curious about the coneflower growing so tall. Uh, there's this one place I was watching it, you know, come up, and then I came by a couple weeks later, and I'm thinking coneflower does not get that tall. Why is it stretching? Yeah, I've got some that are five and a half feet, you know. I mean, it's That's huge. That's bizarre, isn't yeah. it? What color? Is it the standard blooming This color? is a Magnus, right? Oh, now, okay. Now, just 24 inches away, I've got just the, the species, mm-hmm. and it's 30 inches tall. Yeah. I mean, it's normal. But it's supposed to be. But yeah. I've also got a, a um, the white swan, the white one, mm-hmm. right across from it, yeah. and it's four feet plus. Oh, wow. So it's, you know, I, I, mean, I didn't know. <laughs> I don't know good. why, but, you know, apparently they liked the the ones mm-hmm. really cold spell and then none thereafter. Yeah, so. that sounds like they're in a California type growing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Can you believe there's a white coneflower and a green coneflower? Oh, green. there's so many now, you know, and yeah. I, I love that. Uh, was it Cherokee Sunset? Yeah. That seeds itself so well, comes back mm-hmm. and you'll have on the same plant yellows and br- and oranges mm-hmm. and purples and it's just it's amazing oh, it's a great it. perennial yeah. yeah i don't have that one i have a lot of yellow perennials all this for some reason this year it seemed like yellow was was the happening mm-hmm. perennial that showed up the quickest well the beauty of the perennial is it's going to come back every year veda exactly. you know you can always uh, dig that thing up give it to your neighbor and put a new one in that's a good point. Another color. Yeah. Okay, uh, I'll give I pretty us... much need to do that because I'm running out of space. Yeah. I know. I'm just, I just can't wait till that happens, Jim, because I'll be <laughs> right there. And y'all can be right here if you call us, 260-5926. The Mid-South's conservative blowtorch, the Mighty 990 KWAM. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 260-5926. You can t- yeah, you can do that, too. Yeah, and you, watch us on Facebook Live. Yes, you can. In fact, uh, one of our good friends uh, chimed in, uh, Jan Childers, and said, Good morning, uh, Dirt Buddies. It's a air-you-can-wear kind of day. Mm. <laughs> air-you-can-wear. Yeah, it's kind of like walking around with the warm blanket wrapped around you, you know? And then you walk in the refriger- refrigeration area, like the AC in the house, and it feels that so type good. of refrigerate. No, it's like immediately oh, cold because so you're so wet from being outside being humid. But, I had a, had, a, had a guy come into the garden center uh, with pictures, by the way, Veda, so we can back it up, okay? Because your mm, name got brought up. Mm, oh, cool. um, oh, yeah. Good. And uh, I got, I'll be back. Last fall, we were talking about, uh, you know, putting down different cover crops uh, mm-hmm. on your uh, vacant garden plot. And then in the spring, you know, tilling it in to, to get that green manure, right? Yeah. Uh, and one of the things that we had mentioned was, you know, there's vetch and there's clover and uh, also just ryegrass. So this gentleman said, told to his wife, he said, honey, go get like three, two or three pounds of ryegrass mm-hmm. that we're going to sow over this vacant garden. Let it grow. We'll turn it in next spring. Well, she goes out and she finds a sale on a 50-pound bag. Okay. He only needs about three pounds. Oh. But this had a little hole in it, and they were selling it for pretty cheap. Uh-huh. So she brings back the 50-pound bag. <laughs> so they're thinking, okay, well, we got 50 pounds of ryegrass and really have nothing to do with it. Let's just put the 50 pounds down on the garden plot, okay? So they put, instead of two or three pounds down, they put 50 pounds of ryegrass down on this garden plot. He pulls out his phone and shows me a picture. He's out there in the middle of it. You can see maybe from his waist up is all wow. you can see. This ryegrass is three foot tall. <sighs> It is so thick you can't walk through it, okay? 
So um, he just wanted to let you know, Veda, that yes, ryegrass is a good cover crop, mm-hmm. okay? And it will cover <laughs> your vacant garden plot. But if it only needs two or three pounds, guys, whether you find a 50-pound bag on sale or not, right. keep walking. <laughs> he said it was, he couldn't cut his way through oh, this garden, much fun. less get a tiller and till it in. I was like, oh, wow. my. You know, you can't put 50 it's, pounds down. It's a down. southern thing. You it know. is. Yeah. I'm telling you. A little you. bit does good. Well, a lot's going right. to do better. Oh, my God. I <laughs> laughed, y'all. I mean, he was standing out in the middle of this thing, of this plot and you could hardly see him. It's like I a guess, scarecrow out there. I guess it was planted so tight that all it could do was grow up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it kept getting taller and taller. Well, he so should he have said, a lot uh, of... So be sure to let Miss Veda know that, that uh, works you know, he took a... your word to heed <laughs> and just overdid it just a little bit. Right. Well, didn't that just make your soul builder faster? That's <laughs> 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 sometimes a little too much. It's too much. But it's... Um, I noticed one term that you had used, which a, a lot of people had had questions about when you say green manure. Mm-hmm. And so people that are just learning to garden are thinking, what animal gives you the green manure? Yeah. What bag a green manure bag? But green manure just basically means your cover crops, mm-hmm. like your clover and veg and yeah. ryegrass. And, and so it's working back into the soil, in which gives it nutrients like manure does. Is that it, Jim? Or That's is there, little, is there yeah. anything a little more technical than that? Not really. It's just you know? giving you some organic matter to till back in in the spring. Because I, I was going <clears> to <throat> say, do weeds make manure? <laughs> well, they make break down to compost, which is a type of right, but, uh, manure is a type of compost, right? Now we're analyzing this pretty good. It's making me go, hmm. And, and Rebecca Maddox from uh, Bahia, she said, good morning from soggy Bahia, Mississippi. Uh, they had a lot of rain down across uh, North Mississippi. Yeah, it says humidity currently at an unbearable 99% staying inside, which I can't blame Rebecca for that. Mm. Uh, Japanese beetles, we've talked about that for the last, what, two or three weeks? Mm-hmm. Well, they are really starting to show up now. God, that's what I said. I found my first one last night. Had a guy come in yesterday and said, something is on my hydrangeas, uh, with pictures, of course. Everybody has pictures these days. Yeah. And there were quite a few of these nice, shiny-looking beetles on his hydrangea, Japanese beetles, of course. And he's like, what in the heck do I do? And I said, well, you know, pick off as many as you can, which a lot of people go out there in the mornings, make their rounds, and just pick them off. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're dumb and clumsy, you know, early in the morning. The people are? No, well, the, the just, Japanese uh, beetles. Gardeners are dumb. Nice, and- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Japanese beetles are, guys. And you can just pluck them off, throw them down in a little vat of soapy water, and they'll just, you know, drown. But... Uh, there's some good sprays. Uh, Jim, I think spinosad is what you had mentioned before. I, I like spinosad for those that are, you know, the least bit concerned about using uh, no, pesticides. or acephate or any of those. But any, yeah. any insecticide <clears throat> that has Japanese beetle on the label, uh, get out there and give them a good spray. In, and you'll have to spray more than once because, like I told this guy, I said, you can go out there and spray and kill every Japanese beetle you have. Mm-hmm. You don't have one. You don't have any of them left on your property. Yeah. Well, you can have 10,000 more flying the next day. So it's something that you got to stay on top of. And then I also sold him a trap, Jim. Because um, <laughs> Jim said the other morning that the best place to put a trap is in the neighbor's yard, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, and, the tra- and I explained to him, you know, the trap, uh, it, it does trap these Japanese beetles. I'm telling you, it'll fill that bag up in no time. But you don't want to put the trap right there beside the hydrangea. You want to go put mm-hmm. it in the corner of your property. Yeah. Draw them away from everything that's desirable, kind right? Of like with the deer, you want to put the milorganite farther out. Yeah. To repel them. Yeah, mm-hmm. instead of waiting until they get right on the spot. 
And then, then the deer think, well, there's a luscious flower here and there's this weird smell here, yeah. but I'm right here at the flower. Yeah. I'll go ahead and munch. So put that but, trap back uh, back in the uh, the corner of the property back there and, and along with spraying and hand picking. And you can stay ahead of the game, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, there's certain things like roses. Uh, man, they'll eat them up overnight. Uh, and there's you won't find just one, guys. You, we're going to have thousands of them. And it seems like every year... The population is growing, Jim. Oh, absolutely. You know, on these Japanese beetles. So, and they'll last, what, for about three weeks, maybe a month? Well, you may go as long as six weeks. Okay, yeah. but then after that, they're, they're kind of gone. Yeah. But, you know, you want to try to control them because when they start laying eggs, your turf is the most, uh, what you're going to need to be concerned about. Why? You know, it, well, because uh, let's just say you have none in your turf, okay? Mm-hmm. They haven't gotten to your house yet. But they're going to fly in from someplace else, so you're going to have to protect your plants. But then when they start laying eggs, those larvae are going to feed right near the surface. So they're turning into a grub. Right. And they're going to, they will, you can roll your carpet up just like a a, a rug. Mm -hmm. They will shear all of that off when you get the populations high enough. Of the the sod? Yeah, of your lawn. So you want to treat to make sure that you're protecting your lawn because, Mm -hmm. you know, Everybody's not going to treat their lawn. You're always going to have Japanese me- beetles coming in and feeding right. on your plant. So you just you you learn the ones that you need mm-hmm. to, to to protect. Yeah. Uh, and then you know protect your lawn because you, you'll just wake up one morning and suddenly your turf is looking brown and the damage is done. You know, if, I love 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 roses, and I just think of that when we think of Japanese beetles and. So I'm thinking for me, I could probably let them eat the roses and the roses come back. But seriously, you you, for the lawn, I couldn't let them eat the lawn. Yeah, I couldn't let them eat the roses it, either. It, I know, but if I had to choose. Well, you don't. You know. Then, yeah, but a little, I was a little like, pruning and you get your, your foliage right, and what, your, your flowers back with the roses. Right, but with the lawn, it's gone. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. toast. So yeah. uh, you want to make sure that you're keeping an eye on And that. now would you prefer to use the the Dilox or the Imidacloprid? I'd use Imidacloprid just because you get a season-long control. Mm-hmm. It's going to be there in the soil, and it stops them in whatever stage, uh, stage they're in. So they can't uh, they can't shed their shell and they end up mm-hmm. dying. So you want to, I'd treat them then. And the best time to do it is uh, in May and June when they're actually, the, the grubs are coming to the surface and hatching out. And you've also got the the mamas trying to lay eggs. So right now you can get, you can control the largest part of the population. But it's, the metacloprid is going to be there through the season. Yeah, where the uh, Dilox would. The, now the Dilox, the good, the good part about it is it kills active grubs that are in the soil at this moment. Right now. Right. But it has very little residual. So, right. Mm-hmm. But, right. It, it but then the grub-free zone that's got the uh, metacloprid in it is going to prevent that second generation of grub from forming. And like you're saying, you know, it used to be that we would have just the old white grub out there. That's the only grub we had to deal with. June beetle. Yeah, the June bug. Uh, but now we've got the grub from the Japanese beetle also. And if you get a large number of grubs, like Jim's talking about, in your lawn, mm-hmm. you've got a problem. Yeah, you know, our June beetle population here typically is six to eight or so per square foot. It's not very much. But with Japanese beetles, it's not unusual to have 30 to 40 per square foot that's too much that's a bunch <laughs> that is you know, too it much. doesn't take very much of you know when you get that kind of population to shear all the roots off real quick mm-hmm. hmm. so. so sometimes it's um japanese beetles now instead of voles yeah we have <laughs> to think be. about think about that as well and then if the beetles are munching on your plants defoliating them 
give them a little more fertilizer. Help them get their energy back. And that I know you'll love this. Marie texted in and said, encourage a great bird habitat. Robins and cardinals love to eat Japanese beetles. Mm. So true. Cardinal, cardinals are beautiful to watch, too. And the robins, so they'll eat them up. So this is one where we need to start on the birds, introducing them to the yard, make it a bird-friendly yard, and then they can work on the beetles. You got it. We'll be right back. Now, back to Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990 and 107.9 FM, KWAM. Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. I'm Beta with Claudio Garden. We have Kenneth with Dan West and Jim from all over, does all kinds of gardening stuff and most of all, one of our wonderful Facebook pages. What is that, Jim? The name of that Mid-South Gardening. So we're, you just changed, shortened it so I could remember. Yeah, didn't that's you? we're going to shorten it. Yeah, just originally it was Mid South Gardening, uh, gardening in USDA zone six, seven, and eight. So just as a teaser, because uh, we're going to uh, actually be expanding our listening audience, um, I added zones five and nine to it, and it well. just made everybody nuts on the page. Oh, know? really? I was wondering oh, if anybody noticed. Oh, is it not noticed. going to be local anymore? What? So, see, you know, it's not going to change. It's going to be just like it is. So, yeah. But, but in, in July, like, you can't change the name but once every 28 days, face, Facebook has these weird, weird rules. So anyway, July 1, we will become just Mid-South Gardening. That sounds good. Cause it is a great web page. At this rate, you'd have to list every zone yeah. since there's and, able to and get. And we have, we have people all across the country, but when you're talking about diseases and insects or plant ID, mm-hmm. that doesn't vary anywhere. Yeah. Wherever yeah. you are, it's still important. Right. And that's what the vast majority of our stuff is. It's mm-hmm. not really zone-oriented. Yeah. Uh, it's just here we have... Because we're too far south for most plants mm-hmm. and too far north for everything else, we get the, there's a whole lot of yeah. plants that we can kill here. Right. So the, we have a larger selection of potential plants yes. to kill yeah. than <laughs> they do in other parts of the country. So your ratio <laughs> of uh, plant compost products goes up. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, yeah. Hey, Barbara, so, hang on just a second. Well, yeah. You want to go and go to Barbara? Yeah, go to Barbara. Let's talk to her. Okay. Good morning, Barbara. Yes, I have a couple of questions. One of them is I have two large camellias, and one of them that faces west or the side is west, that whole section just about has died. Shouldn't I just go on and just cut it off? Probably, yeah. I, it, do the little thumbnail test, see if the wood is still green. Scratch it. Uh, I have had a, a mature professor sergeant that's been there for years, and this winter thinned it out substantially. Mm. Uh, and so yeah, about two weeks ago, I went in and just started trimming. And wood that was even just weak, I took out just and took it way back. And I, I had some young ones that I had just put in. I cut back to stumps, you know, and they're coming out nice now. Yeah, but is that okay. west side the best place for you? Don't want that full afternoon sun on them, do you? Well, it's it's they're actually more sun tolerant than you yeah. would think. Okay. Um, you know, it, that wouldn't be my first choice, but... But, but they'll be fine there. They, they should be fine yeah. there, yeah. Okay. And I have another question. Someone gave me two peonies just about a month ago or more, yeah. and they just 
just, I guess, stuck their shovel down in the side of mm-hmm. a peony and just cut off a piece mm-hmm. and gave me, and I put them in pots with soil, but they look awful. Do you think they'll mm-hmm. make it, or what can I do to help them? And they are so hardy. Yeah, they're and, pretty tough. Yeah. I'd plant them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if there's okay. any green tissue, I mean, even stems yeah. left, leave that on it, because that's producing food. Yeah. So just cut out all the Right, the but anything that's black, uh, you know, trim off, but I'd go ahead and put them in the ground, and, and the most important thing with peonies here in Memphis is don't plant them deep. Mm-hmm. You want that eye to be right at the surface. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Well, right now, I cannot put them in the ground. Can I in about a month or so? Sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. yeah. Is there anything I should be doing to them to help them? No, main thing is keeping them watered, you know, if we, mm-hmm. yeah, because in a container, they're going to, doesn't matter really how much it drains, right. they're going to dry, you know, uh, pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just make sure that you don't let them get dry. But if they go dormant naturally, they're going to be easier to transplant. Yeah. So okay. I wouldn't be too concerned about it. But, yeah, when you get a chance to, and the ground gets workable, then just go ahead and put them in the ground. And, you know, don't okay. expect flowers for two or three years, mm-hmm. but it will happen. Okay. Well, thank y'all. All hey, right. Thanks You're for welcome. listening this You're morning. Welcome. Thanks, Barbara. Yeah, Have so, a great weekend. So when they're planted and they don't look good, that doesn't mean throw them out. No. If it was know, like an annual that only lasts a season, then maybe, but. You know, people who are really sharp gardeners will hit the garden centers in August and September, you know, and they've started marking down perennials because Mm -hmm. all you see is a pot. Yeah. And that's what you're after. That's the roots. That's the most important thing. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) You know, so you can snatch up some really good deals. Yeah. Yeah, you can. And you made the comment about making sure not to plant them too deep. And you see that a lot where people plant peonies too deep and... They look great, but you just don't get any blooms from them. And they they also don't like root competition from other plants. Mm -hmm. They really Mm -hmm. like their own space. So, you know, you can crowd the peonies together, but just don't crowd them in with Mm -hmm. other stuff. Mm -hmm. I saw some just in the last 10 days or so Mm -hmm. went out to uh, a good friend's house. They've got some that are very old varieties and very fragrant, but they've basically sheared them now like kind of shrubs mm-hmm. they're they're shaped and wow. they're they're waist high <laughs> and there's nothing Dark wrong with that foliage, oh is this the out this, in, uh, list. Yeah, the, yeah yeah absolutely spectacular foliage plants yeah. you know right. it looks like a big boxwood sheared yeah. out there yeah i noticed that too it was amazing how, and boxwood. so those were older those older are, varieties yeah they've had them a long that. time but they're old varieties and she said we're gonna have to divide some you want yeah. some i said uh-huh yeah yep sure no, he'll be over there with his pickup ready to take them all <laughs> and shovel at this rate oh uh, no peonies are just amazing plants they take a lot of abuse but like the main thing is, is we used to, we would plant them too deep and they wouldn't bloom. That's right. You know, because yeah. so much, when you read in, in literature, they'll say, put them down where the bud is about four inches deep. No. Not in our soil. Yeah. yeah. You right. Know? People, people, stop reading all that stuff. I know. You know? This and is where you need to be for good advice, right? Right. Here. And then that's the <laughs> other thing, like, um, this, uh, we have people like, I've had two customers come down from Michigan. They They moved here and... He says, I feel so defeated. I do, what, why do we have to do so much to the soil? Mm-hmm. You know, he goes, I, I was so successful. I just planted, planted, and grew and grew. Yeah. And I go, well, you will be successful if you think first that you know you have to amend the soil more and more. He goes, that's more 
But we never had to spend money on soil. Yeah, well, you know, he's planting things up there that like that. Now, he's mm-hmm. wanting to plant the same things here, yeah. different soil. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. go out in the woods and dig something, and you don't have to do anything soil. It'll just be happy as it can be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's when you want to plant things that don't grow out there in the woods that you got to fix that soil. Tell me some. that's not the truth. Yeah. <laughs> um, Randy texted in, Randy Turner, and said, Good morning, everybody. I have an Althea. Um, uh, mature Althea, about five foot tall, that is dropping blossoms before they open. Uh, what action to take? And it reminds me of, I don't know why I thought of this. It makes me think of the, you know, the fig tree that's just loaded with fruit. Mm-hmm. And it's dropping, you know, half of the fruit and then the other half is perfectly fine. Um, dropping blooms before they open. And Altheas are, man, they're mm-hmm. usually just tough as yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. Well, um, it could have been that we had so much rain that they put on a lot of buds, like you're and saying. And they're just dropping some of them. And then they're just dropping because then we went for dry for like a number of periods. So times. it could be weather-related. So one of those. Yeah. You uh, and then thinking, I, I would also look to see if you've had any vole or mole damage where voles might be eating, re- on the roots. eating on the roots and reducing the amount yeah. of moisture. It would shed normally then because it can't support all of that. And if, now if you've got a vole problem around your Althea, for example, uh, you're looking for what, the little quarter-sized holes out there? I mean, Possibly, more than one. But, but if it's mulch, you may not even see any holes. Pull that you know, mulch back. They, they'll, first thing to do is if you've if you got mulch, pull it away from the trunk and look because a lot of times they like to nibble right there at, mm-hmm. the, at the soil line. Um, but you know, just kind of walk around, get up next to it. Yeah. Uh, was out at your friend David's house yeah. not long ago, and you know I walked through his beds and my heel sunk, so I yeah. could tell where there was mole yeah. activity. But we're talking about a vole here, though. And you know you got voles running through those runs, so yeah. they're in there eating the roots. And I think that's you know he had those big hollies, and I think that's what had happened. All right, so you're saying him. so check for. Root damp. Well, check for voles. Check for voles or moles because voles also use mold tunnels. Right. And if you've got voles, if you see that, uh, then you can put down the castor oil, whether it's granulated or liquid, so you can repel them out of there. But if you don't have any evidence of voles, I mean, would you go out there and just feed the Althea and maybe start using if a root stimulator have, yeah, anyway? Yeah, I think that's a good plan. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's good and watered now. What about thrips? Is it still early for thrips? Thrips well, and roses. Because they're, they're, not, they're not even open yet, though. Yeah, his are falling off before they, they So it couldn't be thrips. Yeah, I think, so you root know. Or, root or dryness. We see it a lot yeah. in tropical hibiscus. They'll shed buds before yeah. they open exactly. in containers. And gardenias. And they're the same family, Althea. They're both hibiscus. hibiscus. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's probably, like Kenneth said, weather-related, yeah. mm-hmm. but you want to rule out voles anyway. Right, yeah. gotcha. And I, that's true, though. Were they all falling or just random? Because even on our fruit production, you still pull, you want to pull some off to Absolutely. have bigger fruit. Yeah. So. And, and Randy, I think you're going to be fine, especially when it comes to an Althea, as tough as they are. And I still think you're going to get tons of bloom, but it's just not uncommon uh, to see some of these flowering shrubs like that drop some of those blooms, uh, and a lot of that's dependent on the weather that we've had. So I still think you're going to be fine. And But still check for those voles. Yeah, most definitely. Root stimulator, that all sounds good. Well, you know what, y'all? Y'all need to give us a call. 260-5926. That's 260-5926. And you can listen to us on Facebook Live, mm-hmm. and uh, you can stream us online anytime at kwamradio.com. Yep. The Mighty 990 KWAM and Mighty990.com.
Good morning. Welcome back. You're listening to Veda, Kenneth, and Jim and the uh, to the Mid-South Gardening Show. Yes, you are. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, let's see. Qu- do we still have questions? Did we get a Facebook question? No, we got it. And if you want to give us a call, 260-5926, 260-5926. And guys, I know that we've talked about this for 100 years, but I've got to bring it back up because I like to talk about the things that people have come in and asked me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, old-fashioned hydrangeas, right? The old macrophilias, the ball-shaped hydrangeas that we grew up with. Uh, you know, they can. Uh, you can see some that are blue. You can see some that are pink, right? Yeah. And the question always is, well, I've always heard that you could change the color of the blossoms, and how do you do that? Uh, and the simple answer is, and, and people just get it reversed all the time, is if you want the blooms to be pink, you want to raise your pH, which means just putting down lime. Okay, uh, and just um, you know, you get that pH around uh, six three, six two, uh, and up. You know, you're going to have pink blooms. It's just that simple. And if you want that bloom to be blue, then you want to lower the pH. You want to make that soil more acidic, and that's where you put down your aluminum sulfate uh, and or sulfur, uh, either one. Now, it is um, it's easier to change them from blue to pink than it is from pink to blue, okay? Um, so just keep that in mind. So if you're going from pink to blue, you're going to have to might be a little more patient than from going from blue to pink. But just remember, guys, if you want them pink, add the lime. If you You'd want them blue, add the aluminum salt. Be surprised how, much, how many people um, have the incorrect thought that Coffee grounds will lower your pH. And and mm-hmm. every article that you read says that it will. And it won't, okay? You know? Coffee grounds, when their pH is 6.5 to 6.8, it's going to turn your plant pink, not blue, if you could ch- if you put enough down to do it. Why do now, we, why do we I don't keep know. reading those articles? I don't know. The soil, your soil is very stable pH, though. It's difficult to change. You'd have to put a lot of coffee grounds down mm-hmm. to make any effect whatsoever. But if it did anything in our soil, it's going to turn them pink. Isn't that amazing? Now, if you were up in the limestone mountains and you put coffee grounds on them, it's going to lower your pH, but they'd still be pink. Because <laughs> six, five, six, eight, they're going to be pink. Yeah. Gotcha. you got to get down below six, and the closer you get to five, the bluer they're going to be. Yeah. Right. So, you know, there's... A lot of misinformation out there. And, and one, one, one thing I've always read, and Miss Billy, hang on just a second, uh, is, you know, aluminum sulfate will definitely lower your pH. Yes, and um, it's the aluminum that gives them the color. So yeah. that's kind of critical. That yeah. I like to use aluminum yeah, sulfate. Yeah, now don't do overdo it. I mean, you don't want to put a lot of aluminum sulfate down at one time because then you can actually get a toxic mm-hmm. brew going there. Uh, and then I've also read before where you can actually dilute the aluminum sulfate in water and pour it. On, and yeah. pour it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there again, it might take more than one application. So, you know, the hydrangeas are kind of like the old-fashioned litmus paper. Mm-hmm. Whatever the uh, the acidity of the soil is, that's what the blooms are going to be. But you so, can change those. So bottom line, you were saying it's harder to change the uh, pink to blue. No, is it's harder that... to change from blue uh, it's easy. You're right. It's harder yeah. to change it from pink to blue. Because yeah. you have to drop the uh, That's right. pH so low to get it blue, where pink, we're kind of like that already yeah. with that pH. The another thing is, we and Kenneth know, 
but Jim definitely knows how to say this more eloquently. We'll have to give this to him. <laughs> Tell us a little bit. What does PH stand for? Oh, I already know that. And I know that's what I'm saying. But Jim right, just, let's just see got if that. Right. Le- Go yeah. ahead. Particles of hydrogen. Potential hydrogen. Hydrogen ions. Whatever. We yeah. were close. But so break that down a little more, Miss Billy. Hang on. We might have to get you the first of the next hour, but just hang on right there. Break that down. Well, okay. So pH. Why? Why is that important for our soil? Because I, 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 people here just go pH pink five four three yeah. two nine. You know, let's simplify it. Okay. Though. Well, okay. Plants have evolved in certain areas based on the pH of that soil. Okay. Grasses, for instance, for instance, like pH up six and a half to seven. Boxwood, like yeah. pH up mm-hmm. closer to neutral. Clematis, your right. ivy bed. Our soil vegetables. here isn't normally that way. It's normally in the five and a half range, unless mm-hmm. it's been farmland for a hundred years. And, and we're going with seven being neutral. Seven is neutral. Right. Okay. Nothing much grows when you get down below four and a half. Yeah. Uh, nothing much grows when you get up close to eight. Yeah. All right. A few odd things, but you know, most of the soil though around here is going to be six or below. Okay. So which is acidic. And your so your your hydrangeas would normally be blue. Mm-hmm. You'll see some usually a little pink as they start, but as the season progresses, they get bluer. Yeah. So you know. It, It makes the availability of nutrients different for different plants. And some, I think uh, there's some spireas that actually will change the pH to get it where they like it. Wow. Uh, So, and it's the reason some of them have become invasive species in somewhere, because if they are moving into an area, they'll actually change the pH so that they can go further. All right, so let me say this, and Miss Billy, hang on, is when you, let's say we have a lawn, typical lawn, because that's what I'm always worried about. Is and you want that pH ideally between say six two and six eight six five being ideal, and if you're below that, then you add lime to raise the pH. Mm-hmm. So if I have a lawn and I'm at uh, five eight and I never put lime down, I never raise my pH. Mm-hmm. You're saying I can feed my lawn all the time and nothing really happens because the soil locks up the nutrients. Mm-hmm. Well, some of the nutrients, yes. At yeah. 5.8, you're not going to get or, or nitrogen. Or say 5.4. Yeah, but you, know. you start getting low and yes, a lot of the nutrients become unavailable. Mm-hmm. And even when you fertilize, you don't get the right. results that you expect. Right. Yeah. So right. that, what you just said, is why we talk about pH. It's not just right. a bunch of numbers, but a lot of times if you have no success with something, your pH is incorrect. You just fix that and then everything's right. good. Yeah. I kind of get have a habit of every year around mm-hmm. clematis, I throw a handful of lime. Whether I don't check it, I just mm-hmm. do it. Yeah, some you people know? say every time you walk by your clematis, throw some lime down right. on it, or your lilac yeah. bush. Right, boxwoods. You know, mm-hmm. every year people right. lime it. Vegetable gardens, they lime. Right. Roses, ivy beds. And I mean, there's your, so many and things. Your lawn, you know. Yeah. Typically, we used to tell people that about every other year you should throw some lime down. Right. You know, but that was before the age of you know twenty five dollar pH meters. You know, you can yeah. buy one now that has no battery, lasts mm-hmm. forever, and will give you a fairly decent uh, yeah. Yeah, reading. Enough reading to start it. on, because if you get plants and if, if you start going and testing the pH, then you'll be able to know where to start, That's right. <laughs> you know, instead of just random. But at the same time, here in our area, you can randomly, because you know... Well, now y'all know, because we're telling you, that lime needs to be on the clematis, the vegetable garden, the lawn, 
the roses, um, the roses, the boxwoods, yeah. but so, not around your azaleas yeah. and camellias. So you know? if you haven't limed in a while, then that would be a good thing to do today. Or go out yeah. there and just yeah. you know but check that the pH. Mean that you may not need lime. You know, there was the <laughs> yeah. old Memphis Garden Guide used to uh-huh. tell you know, tell you that you should throw aluminum sulfate or Epsom salts up underneath your azaleas every year. Mm-hmm. Well, I've seen some where the pH got so low that they they weren't getting any nitrogen. Yeah. You actually had to lime it to get the <laughs> pH back up to <laughs> where the plants would that be. crazy? Yeah. You know, yeah. so. Uh, but pH yeah. is, yeah. pH it's is so important. important to check it. If, if everything looks good but something's not right, let's start with pH. And we're going to go to a break. Miss Billy, hang on. We'd love to take your questions afterwards. garden help you need now mid-south gardening on the mighty 990 with your hosts veda vance kenneth mabry and jim crowder good morning good morning welcome back to mid-south gardening you're here on the second hour with us i'm veda with Pladio garden I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Center. And I'm Jim Crowder, retired nurseryman and short, fat guy that likes to work in his garden. <laughs> I love him. Well, y'all will uh, be able to see what all of the other two look like because, um, oh, didn't you post that on our Facebook page? Uh, actually, Todd Storms posted it on there to show people, and you can see how much the camera adds weight. Um, <laughs> <you know? laughs> it's so true. I just have to say it no matter what. But anyway, y'all can... Um, Look at us like that. <laughs> yeah. Of course, and Miss Billy, we're going to get you in two seconds, and then we got Jamie, the master gardener. But if you want to get in touch with us this morning, 260-5926, 260-5926, Miss Veda. And they can always go to Facebook Live and see you right there and shoot us a text anytime uh, they want. I wish want. I had remote control for the camera. Yeah, but too bad you I'd don't, zoom young in lady. on you. Yeah. Okay, let's go to Miss Billy. Good morning, Miss Billy. You're in the Mid-South Garden. And I'm glad you don't have remote control for your camera. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. What do you mean by she that? She knows uh-huh. y'all, does she? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my question is about my jade plants, which were, uh, they were newly planted last year, uh, in June, as a matter of fact. And mm. the freeze did some damage to them. I thought they were completely gone, but they're, they're coming back, and they're going to live. But I'm not sure they're ever going to look right and because the greenery is around the bottom. I mean, it's like right on the ground. It must be the distillium, and the jade plant. Uh, yes, the jade plant. Which I'm prob- Is it not um, Indian hawthorn? They told me there were jade plants. Probably hawthorns. Yeah, because okay. that's because of the way you were describing it, green on the bottom and then brown on the top. Mm-hmm. That's We're seeing Indian hawthorns like that. Every hawthorn in Memphis looks like that because of the, the past winter we just had. And there is a, an emerald jade distillium, mm-hmm. too. But I haven't seen any yeah. damage on distillium oh, at I all. Did. Well, I yeah, did. There, there was some but t- okay. in the botanic garden, but they were covered nicely. But, okay, it, yes. cut them back. Yeah. Anything <laughs> that you don't see growth on go ahead and cut them back um but okay they're not going to ever look good again (laughs) now won't they eventually won't they eventually come back out Uh, and it would take years you know but i mean but eventually they would eventually yes but i mean it's better just to replace them yeah yeah because i I did we had them in inventory and i thought you know what just forget about it it's going to take them forever to come back 
That's exactly what I wanted to know. Now, I did see one of my neighbors had some that were also damaged, and it looks like their landscaper or they have gone and and just sheared across the top, right. uh, flattened them, and they look pretty good. But I, I just wanted to know if they're ever going to come back. And uh, yeah, I think you've answered my question. You don't think they will ever be pretty it, again. It, yeah, it, you know, it's just not worth the, it, the. They're relatively inexpensive plants, and it's just be so much easier. Uh, wait till fall; it'll just be easier on you, and just replace them. Yeah. Okay, I have one more question. Yes, ma'am. Uh, the U plants, Y E W. They, I have two of those who are who, uh, which were damaged also, mm-hmm. and they are turning yellow. Mm-hmm. One is bright yellow, and I know it's completely gone. Mm-hmm. Just haven't pulled it up yet. Yeah. Uh, was it, uh, was it get, a? Is it, it a low growing you or is it? Yes. Okay, like the plum yews. I see them every once in a while turning yeah. yellow. I uh, think it's too much moisture. Yeah, they hate yeah. wet feet, that's, Miss Billy. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I wanted to know. And we have an irrigation system, and that yeah. I think it's too I, much. That for that plants. is probably more moisture related than it is even you know winter damage. I mean, they just won't tolerate yeah. wet feet, no ma'am. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's good. All well, right. Listen, thank you. I enjoy your program. Thanks, Thanks Billy. Billy. Holding on this morning. Yeah. Uh, thank now, you. So y'all are saying, guys, if you have a shrub like a hawthorn, uh, you know, hawthorns were just beat to death mm-hmm. this past winter, and you're seeing a little bit of green growth from the yeah. very bottom with and, spots, though. Yeah, and, and, diseased growth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and yes, you can cut them all the way down to the ground, and eventually, Jim, y'all are saying they'll come back out. Eventually, mm-hmm. if you have enough viable root system there. Same thing with the vintage J distillium, which, you know, I like distilliums because yeah. um, there's so many different varieties. And it's just a good alternative to some of these other mm-hmm. shrubs that we've been dealing with, like auto looking laurels, right, forever. But you're saying if you go in there and, and cut them back, eventually you'll have your shrub back. Mm-hmm. But if you're like me, you know, I want the thing to look good tomorrow. And, Jim, yeah. you're saying they're just so relatively inexpensive. Just dig the thing up and that's replace right. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just replace it. Yeah. yeah, especially if they're in an area that you're looking now, at all the time. If it's tucked back, then maybe in a couple of years you'll walk back there and go, ooh, right. this recovered nicely. And, and if you've got just you know minor damage, you can go mm-hmm. out there and selectively cut out limbs that don't look well, feed them really good, stimulate new growth, and then you, you know, you're mm-hmm. okay. But we're talking about the ones that were just basically dead all the way down to the ground, and you got a few green leaves sticking yeah. out of the ground, right? Right. We'd have to say this is relative to how dead the shrub looks, you know, because sometimes... <laughs> how dead? Yeah, how dead does it look? Yeah. Because <laughs> sometimes if it's just a little bit, then okay, yeah, let it can take over. But if it's a lot, it's just too much. And then because th- then they try to get insect and disease problems, right. too, right. on top of that, because they're struggling to come back out from an issue. And then we got a caller, Jamie, the Master Gardener, and I think he had a bone to pick with Jim. I think ah, so. Jamie. Good morning, Jamie. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Good morning. Hey, Jamie. Good morning to you. And I hear that you've got a bone to pick with Mr. Jim Crowder. I'm just setting that up for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. <laughs> Not you. It's got to oh, be something just, about the coffee grounds. I miss information. Oh, coffee just, grounds. Now, look, I, I'm on, I want y'all to tell me something, and, and y'all are the smart people, and we, we just listen here. But anyway, I have yet to see what a coffee ground does for anything. Right. It just doesn't. That would be a true story. No, it amends the soil some. It is organic matter. Yeah. You know, it's not going to hurt to put. Yeah, it's a filler. Yeah, yeah. Put a little bit in your compost pile. But mm-hmm. here are some true facts. Okay, it 
It's got caffeine in it. Caffeine can kill earthworms. Caffeine <laughs> does nasty stuff to because it hasn't any bacterial quality. It does nasty stuff to microbes in the soil. So if you're adding enough of it, then you could actually damage your soil. So, I mean, it's okay to put a little bit, your daily coffee grounds in your compost pile. It will be fine. It's just like banana peels. Put a couple in there. It's okay. But they're not a huge benefit. Now, you're you're well, making a lot of people bad. mad right now. I I'm hope so. You know. I know, I know. I, but I, it's a myth, and I think it's an old wives' tale. It, and for the simple well, reason, we took buckets and buckets and went to uh, Starbucks and used their coffee mm-hmm. grounds yeah. and took buckets and buckets and buckets of that stuff <laughs> and mixed it with the compost. And I, other than a filler... Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. that was about it. That was all the answer, the uh, benefit we got from it. Well, it's always Amen. hard Hallelujah. to know what a myth is because I just read an article by Texas A and M. Oh, and I they know. are a uh, agricultural college, and they're doing. Ex- uh, they're actually going and getting coffee grounds and, and starting to replenish sho- soils with them, and saying that it's becoming a really good compost. But, of course, the other thing is, is they're probably a little more strategic on the amount. Yeah. So that may be the difference between overloading like we do and then them being strategic on using the proper amount. Well, but it's like, how you know, the, how do you know that Texas A&M saying, yeah, it's great. And then um, we're it's here compost. and it's not good. Yeah. You know, so. Any compost is good. Yeah. Right. Okay. So th- and so that makes it great. Okay. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. But yes, what Jim's saying with all the, uh, you know, it's it's not going to do what we think. You just have to think of I mean, it as an amendment. it's certainly not going to lower your pH. Right, right. That's the yeah. main and thing. And I've heard a lot of people put it down because of that. Same thing with tea grounds, mm-hmm. uh, thinking they're lowering their pH. I remember, mm-hmm. you know, 100 years ago, my sweet grandmother going out there putting tea grounds around her hydrangeas. Yeah. Uh, I guess on a daily basis, you know, and... I can't remember what color those things were. Right. You know? But you're saying, Jim, maybe it's not going to hurt, potentially hurt anything. It's really not in the quantities that most people are going to use. Yeah. Now, you know, going to Starbucks and getting buckets of yeah. it, you know, and putting it as a mulch on top of your soil, yeah. that's not a good thing to you do. You could be locking it up. Well, it, or, no, you said it was like poisoning the... It can, it can yeah. you know. It, it, where coffee plants grow, nothing mm-hmm. grows under them because mm-hmm. the leaves fall off. <laughs> fall uh-huh. off, and they actually make the soil toxic to most mm-hmm. plants. Caffeine Amazing. is a known plant retardant. Yeah. So it's, is again, mm-hmm. a little bit is okay, yeah. but a lot is not going to do what you want. So, Jamie, we just oh, saved so. you the trouble of going back wherever with those buckets and getting all those coffee grounds and throwing them in the compost pile. Well, now I've done that. <laughs> I've done realize that there's not very much benefit in this part of the country to do that. So yeah. we, we, we did that for a year and mm-hmm. I'm telling you, we couldn't we couldn't find any benefit at all from it. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, that was my question and I um uh, and I'm sure that coffee grounds do good for some people, but here mm-hmm. in our garden and we were trying to do organically, other than a filler, it just didn't help us at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well yeah. that's what I'm saying. A lot of people have done it for many years and they're not gonna change their tune now. Yeah. But uh, just keep in mind that, you know, scientifically and that's what Jim's always going by can't see where there's a whole lot of benefit right. other than turning into good compost. Yeah. All right, thanks. But anyway, y'all, uh, Jim was saying something a couple of weeks ago and how much the azalea bushes and other things have grown. Mm-hmm. My azalea bushes have grown at least six inches 
mm-hmm. in the last four or five months, and it is just unreal. Mm-hmm. You know? And if you need to go I out, them back. Yeah. I was going to say, I, Jamie, I if you back, and I'm about to cut them back again. Well, you're right. I was going to say, try to do it before July 4th, and that way you're not going to affect the bloom for the next year. But a lot of people are cutting right. back azaleas this year that they've never cut back before because of all the growth. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's lots of growth. Anyway, this one, and think tomatoes while y'all are talking. Yes, indeed. Coming up. I was going to say, so no coffee grounds to make your tomatoes bigger and better. You never know. That might be the secret ingredient. I know. That's why you're saying no. Okay, we got to run. It's a break. We'll be right back. The Mighty 990, 107.9 FM, 990 AM, KWAM. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. And we have a caller, David. So hang on to David. We'll get right there. I just had to pause for the music. Yeah, of course you did. But if you want to give us a call this morning, guys, it's really easy. 260-5926. 260-5926. And, of course, you can go to Facebook Live. See Miss Beta right Mm -hmm. there. Shoot us a text, and we'll take care of it that way also. All righty. Let's go to David. Good morning, David. Good morning. Hey, David. Good morning to you, buddy. Jim, Ken. What's going on? If you, if you use uh, decaf coffee in your bed, <laughs> it's more effective, I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> that way you don't get the poisoning from the caffeine that's with right. the decaf. See, that's just another wrong. thing that David read, okay, like all of it. So you're saying, Dave, just make sure it's decaf and you're good to go. That's it. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah, that's it. Oh, a little orange juice in there, too. Yeah, a little citric know. acid, yeah. Yeah. Now, my question is, you know, I've got all my, my bedding plants in, and uh, is it better to put the uh, pre-emergent on, directly on the dirt in between the uh, bedding plants, or is it better to put the light layer mulch down, then put the pre-emergent down? Great question. Makes no difference. You know, yeah. as soon as the, the pre-emerge is, is attached to a particle, as soon as the rain hits it, or it takes that chemical off and spreads it on the surface. So it really doesn't matter which one you do. And I've heard a lot of people, like David, saying they'll go in there and get all their bedding plants put in their beds, okay? And then they'll come back and apply a pre-emergent. Uh, not too heavy, you know, going accordingly to uh, the directions. And then come back and put their light layer of mulch down and then maybe just put a light application on top. But you're saying, Jim, you really don't have to do that. And the reason they say they do it is because, yes, you want the pre-emergent at ground level because you're going to keep weed seed from germinating at that point, right? But if you put the mulch mm-hmm. down, you can also get weed seeds that blow in on top of the mulch, and some of them can germinate mm-hmm. on top of the mulch and not so much in the soil. So in that case, you know, I guess <laughs> doesn't hurt. But the biggest thing, That's, though, David, that we say with pre-emergence is don't overdo it. That's not one mm-hmm. of those things where more is better uh, because, right. you know, pre-emergence can root prune your desirable, you know, plants that you put down. So, you know, just as long as you're using it accordingly to the coverage uh, that's on the bag and you're not overdoing it, which, you know, people love to do, uh, you're in great shape. Sounds good. All right, All right, David. Thanks for the call. Keep drinking that decaf, yeah. Dave. <laughs> Thank you, David. Have a great weekend. Well, that's a great question, y'all. Right. Yeah, the important I, thing is, though, once you put that pre-emerge down, you want to limit your activity in that garden mm-hmm. because even your weight, if you've got good, decent soil, you can break that chemical barrier. 
Uh, so you're saying when you put a pre-emergent down and water it in, it forms a chemical barrier at ground level, yes. correct? Right. And it'll come, you know, if 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 your mulch is good and coarse, it's going to go mm-hmm. right through that when the rain rain hits it. It's going mm-hmm. the chemical's going to come off and it binds quickly to clay. Yeah. Okay, that's the reason it doesn't go any deeper, doesn't dilute. It, it, as soon as it hits the soil, it attaches to those particles. Right. All right, let me ask you this. Uh, and, and Cleopatra, hang on with just one second. There are quite a few different varieties of pre-emergence on the market. The one that I like to use is the dimension yeah, because too. you can use it in your lawn and you can also use it in your beds. Now, you don't want to use it in a vegetable bed. But back, you know, there's still preen, P-R-E-E-N, uh, the Trefland. Uh, now, they're saying, Jim, with that particular pre-emergent, it's better if it's lightly incorporated into the soil, uh, where the dimension, you don't necessarily have to do that at all. You can just sprinkle it over the top and water it in, and you're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so, I mean, does that, I mean, why would we have to in- lightly incorporate preen, which is trefland? Uh, I'm not saying you have to do it. They're saying that's the best way to do it, into mm-hmm. the top two or three inches of the soil. Is that because they just where they want it, where the seeds are going to be? Yeah, and I think if you've tilled in there, you've got seed that's below the surface yes. instead of oh, on I got the top. It. Got it. So you've got chemical down there that will actually control it if that mm-hmm. seed germinates. Uh, Trefflin is, is, is an old product. It's a good product. It does great on grassy kinds of stuff. It's not the best broadleaf pre-emerge mm-hmm. out there. Uh, but for vegetable gardens, it's your, mm-hmm. it's the one of choice. Uh, yeah. you know, you just, you have to be careful if you've got corn, you need to wait cause it's a grass. You need to wait till it gets up to about the three leaf stage before you apply it. Yeah. Otherwise it can even stunt the, the corn. Now, do you like to use gallery or any of those in your beds or do you still stick with gallery the... is a great product, particularly if you've got gout weed, you know, the little mm-hmm. thing that looks mm-hmm. like mimosa. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the few products that will con- control it. Yeah. Um, it used to be on the homeowner label of a lot of products. L- lately, the homeowner labels I've seen do not have it, but the commercial label of gallery, which is used, you're putting down exactly the same amount, yeah. uh, does still have gout weed yeah. on the label. Yeah, and I, but I still go with dimension because it's so universal. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, I like the idea that you can use it mm-hmm. in your lawn or your beds. Uh, so can't go wrong there. So why don't we use, um, since you were talking about the coffee plant, that nothing can grow underneath it because the leaves drop and it's so kind toxic. Kind of like a locust. Well, can we just make that coffee plant into an oil and start using it as a weed killer? Well, the un- the thing is, though, that it's not selective. Now, yeah, it, well, it could be like a natural, there. it can be a natural <laughs> round. You won't have any weeds mm-hmm. growing around the plant you killed. Yeah, right. Well, see, I'm thinking of it as a natural <laughs> roundup. Oh, not a pre-emergent. <laughs> right, right. Not a pre-emergent as a... Because I was thinking, speaking of weeds, not in the pre-emergent fashion. Gotcha. But as uh, just a weed killer, a natural weed killer. Yeah. You know, maybe and then add some vinegar with that, too. Oh, yeah. And some burnout <laughs> with it, too. Yeah. A little yeah. spaghetti sauce, you know. Yeah, Tabasco sauce would definitely burn it. people go out of their way it. to make things. You know, there are products that should just go buy something to well, do that with. <laughs> I think it comes from, um, you know, at first, like, you used to have a lot of household items. This for that, that, that you know, all those things. So why go out and buy something when you can make it? Plus, you know, it's kind of like the wives' tale. It started that way, and we think that's the only way, mm-hmm. but now there's so much more available on the market to oh, buy. Yeah. Gosh, you know, think about when we first started this, what there, there was not a huge span of things to purchase oh, no. for our gardening care as there are now. Yeah. It is amazing. Do we, yeah, we, let's see, Shirley had called, 
and she couldn't she couldn't stay on, but she saw someone growing tomatoes in a black bag and also in buckets, and she's curious what we know about how to grow tomatoes that way. That black bag's probably that cloth bag yeah, that yeah, they're the, coming out like with. Yeah, the landscape fabric. Yeah. Yeah, those yeah. are smart bags. They're pretty cool. Whether it's a smart bag or whether it's a container, uh, you can grow tomatoes very successfully in containers, um, whether it's a cherry-type tomato or just a you know, full-blown uh, you know, regular tomato. Uh, the biggest thing is, you know, you want to make sure that you keep them moist. Tomatoes like moist soil. They don't like wet, wet soil, and they surely don't like dry, dry soil. But if you can try to, try to keep a constant moisture uh, on those tomatoes and, you know, feed them like you normally would, whether it's tomato tone or even a water-soluble plant food, um, you can surely easily grow tomatoes in containers. Yeah, Just make sure a, that you have enough soil mass, yeah. though, to, to support it. I was going to say, know. it's all about the soil and drainage. We'll be right back. Now, back to Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990 and 1079 FM KWAM. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back. You're listening to the Mighty 990. You're here with Beta, Kenneth, and Jim. And we're going to go to Cleopatra. Good morning. Thanks for giving us a call. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, my dear. Appreciate you waiting. Yes, ma'am. No problem. Um, I have these magnolia bushes, and of course, with the snow and the ice, um, they seem to have died. Um, but there are these green leaves that are coming back, um, and it's been frozen and back before, and it came back last year pretty um, mush. Um, but not real sure about this year. Yeah. A lot more scanty. The magnolias. And you said they were mushy the year before last? Well, I remember last, you know, we've had but, um, we've had bad winters. Yeah. I mean, we had a bad winter this year, a bad week of winter. And then, mm-hmm. you know, year before last, we had those two nights in yeah. November that were so bad. Right, which wrecked it. Yeah. Yeah, um, which I was wondering, mushy. So what, what freeze, was that? Freeze. No. Can... Well, I didn't say mushy. Okay. Well, so you're saying, <laughs> though, Cleopatra, you're saying that you had a good bit of damage done this year, and it seems like they are trying to flush back out for you. And what Correct. we're Yeah, and what we're telling people, really, is just go in there if you hadn't already done it and kind of clean them up. You know, anything that's defunct or dead, uh, partially dead, you can selectively snip that out of there, clean it up. I would come back and feed the plant also. And there's so many different fertilizers, whether it's organic fertilizers, synthetic, or even water-soluble plant foods. But you do want to add a little fertilizer just to kind of help them really flush out like mm-hmm. they should. So this is like, we'll see, the, I'm trying to figure out how a magnolia would get mushy. Is this a magnolia sh- or is this a gardenia? Yeah. It, it's just the, the bushes that are next, to, I mean, they're next to fences. Not, they're not mushy. I didn't say mushy. Oh. i'm so stuck on mushy i thought okay so they're not a tree they're not a magnolia tree and are are they normally evergreen do Uh, they do they usually keep their leaves in the winter cleopatra typically yeah 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 i mean whatever type of shrub it is there again and unfortunately you know we saw a lot of damage out there Mm -hmm. especially on evergreen shrubs (laughs) the things that you know keep their leaves year-round and but for the most part, guys, and y'all can back me up. Most of these shrubs, Cleopatra, are flushing back out. Uh, you know, there are some that that are not. You know, some of the 
you know, some of the gardenias didn't flush back out. Some of the Indian hawthorns didn't flush back out and on down the line. But I'm telling you, the good thing is you are seeing new growth. I would feed them to stimulate even more new growth. And I would go in there and just selectively, if you have any dead tissue at this point, selectively cut that dead tissue out of there. Yeah, And that's really all you can do. I would do earthworm castings, plant tone, and um, super thrive. Beta's brew. Yeah, I would do all those together to get them to flush out quicker, uh, build the soil faster. Yeah, see how that works. Yeah. All right, well, we'll give it a try. Thank you. Keep Thanks for the call, Cleopatra. Thank you, And dear. if your plants get mushy, call me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why she's thinking of mushy. We're, why? we're at the point right now where you've got some only some of these plants that look dead where the wood is not totally dead. It's damaged, uh-huh. but <clears throat> it's trying to form buds, and you've got X amount of carbohydrates in the roots that are trying to make that happen. Right. By reducing that wood, now you have the same amount of carbohydrates trying to produce fewer buds, yeah. and the plant's going to be stronger. It's easier now to go ahead, bite the bullet, take off anything that's marginal, yeah. go back to good green wood and let it flush. Yeah, and, and come back and feed it all, so yeah. it might need that extra little boost. Sounds good. Let's see. Let's go to um, Kim. Good morning, Kim. You're in the garden. Good morning, y'all. Hey, Miss Kim. Good morning to you. <laughs> hey. hey. And let me say this really quick. I've been looking at some of the pictures that you've been sending and once again, I have to pat you on the back, you know, growing your uh, your flowers and your vegetables in containers the way you do. You've got it figured out, Miss Kim. Thank you. Well, I have some good help. Um, I guess we're on the theme of coffee mm-hmm. today. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Always. <laughs> I think, I, Veda, I'm kind of like you in taking care of our own bodies mm-hmm. um, and sort of Semi with the plant, right? You know, but anyway, I want, I didn't know if everybody knows this. Um, Jamie, I guess, mentioned ask decaf coffee. Well, don't use decaf coffee thing because decaf has formaldehyde, which is what they embalm dead bodies. Oh, with. great. You know, here we go. So, David, the gentleman that called it said, oh, Dave, hey, yeah, Dave. yeah, if you're going to use coffee grounds, make sure you use decaf, kind of like ha ha, uh, right? So, so, coffee grounds are, are regular, it's really caffeine coffee that they put formaldehyde in, which makes you feel dead, which makes the caffeine not work. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not, <laughs> not we need sure. to check this formaldehyde thing out. I think there's a logic out. issue. Yeah, right we here, need to check this. Out. I think go with Jim Crowder's idea. Don't use coffee. Yeah, I, yeah. we're going to go and, that detail. And you know, all my plants are in pots, and I sing to them, pray for them, and mm-hmm. quote scripture to them. And I don't see, but mm-hmm. I tell you, I bought a cayenne pepper from you all, Ken, mm-hmm. this year, mm-hmm. and they are making the longest cayenne pepper I've ever seen. Hmm. Now, are we sure that's a cayenne pepper? Just like the coneflowers. Yeah, they're not as hot as they could be yet, but Eddie says probably when we get more sun, we'll get them. I've never seen such long, hot see, There again, you're just overdoing what you do, Miss Kim. You're making them even better. You know, I don't know how you do it, but... You and Eddie, y'all do a good job in, in raising vegetables in containers is all I can and tell you. And the Incarnatus this year were so late. They didn't come out mm-hmm. that Took well, a while. So they, yeah, they like it warm, Well, too. so many things were. I mean, think about it, because it was really, really cool uh, and wet, but really cool the whole spring. We had some, you know, really cool nights where typically we have those warm nights. So yeah. a lot of things were just slow coming out this year. 
Well, I hope they come out enough for the golf fritillaries to come in time to eat on. I think, yeah, I think, I think you'll will. be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll be fine. You'll yeah. be fine. Praise our Lord. Okay. <laughs> Amen. All right, Miss Kim, keep drinking <laughs> that decaf you. coffee, but throw the grounds away, okay? Don't use anything. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, Miss Kim, for the call. Thank you, dear. Well, see, my theory of using the coffee grounds and all that stuff is everything turns into compost unless it's plastic. Yeah, or something including, like that. Uh, including so, us. Yeah, and, and including Vicky? us. So I may as well just because it feels good to me, okay? It feels good to take my stuff. To the compost pile. Now, you read my mind, and Vicki, hang on a second. I have no problem putting it in the compost mm-hmm. pile and letting it really just compost yeah. completely down. But and I've never put it around. Yeah, because yeah. I don't think that would, of all the organic garden stuff, I'd never thought that that would, eggshells, how would that make the soil change? Well, Jim just said that something little about so don't quick. use eggshells either yeah. around yeah. the plants. the coffee grounds, how, so... You know, I think sometimes yeah, we just course, keep with the, the eggshell thing. It depends on who you talk to. You'll, I mean, if you read some of the articles written by actual worm farmers, well, they'll take mm-hmm. eggshells and they grind it super fine. We'll see. Okay. Down yeah, where it can actually pass through a worm without damage. Mm-hmm. But most people don't do that. I and, wouldn't and do they, that. Yeah, they can actually do some damage to your earthworms if they're mm-hmm. not properly processed. If you're putting them in there for calcium, you're wasting your time. Okay, it's not a good See, source. See, you of got calcium. people kicking their dogs and everything right now, and Jim. If <laughs> if you're trying to be organic, technically mm-hmm. you shouldn't put eggshells in there because eggshells are not organic. What's mm-hmm. inside the egg is organic, but the shell itself is not. So, well, it's not plastic. Yeah, it's not. But it's not organic. It has to have carbon, carbon in it to be true. organic. It, true that. it has no carbon in it. True that. Okay, so but it turns into something. It turns into eggshell dust. Yeah. <laughs> that creates the whole balance. You know, there's a soil yeah. web going on. It's and, not going to hurt yeah. anything usually to put eggshells in But there, you're just saying as far as being beneficial. Being beneficial in, in putting eggshells in to prevent blossom yeah. end rot or right. change right. your no. pH. No. You are spitting into the wind yeah. because yeah. it ain't going to happen. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's the kind of the thing that I just... It's kind of like the health, like Miss Kim said. You put a lot of really good nutrition. You don't have to break all this down. You just eat good, and then you stay healthy. Yeah. Same with all the organic stuff. Just put organic stuff, mm-hmm. and then you'll stay good. Well, and, and that's healthy. what we're always saying. You don't saying. have to break everything down on a calendar method and a measurement right. method and a, all that. So it's kind of like organic. It's kind of like a lazy gardener thing. Raise my hand in for way, that one, you know. Because I don't have to ever measure. Yeah. And because I didn't like the math, I was like, okay, I'm I'm organic because I don't like the math. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to measure how much She's finally, we finally learned why she went organic. And the okay? hose-in sprayer. Oh, forget about mm-hmm. that, too, you know, and then I'm going to, it's going to go off and I'm going to spray myself with uh, insecticide. So I was like, no, forget that one, too. I'm too clumsy, too fast, too but lazy. But you wouldn't have fleas. That's right. No, personally, I would not have fleas, <laughs> would I? <laughs> Okay, let's see. Let's take Vicky's question, and then we may have to go to a break and then answer it. Yeah. But good morning, Vicky. You're in the garden. Oh uh, yeah. Good morning. Hey, uh, Vicky. Beta, Kenneth, and Jim. Yes, ma'am. How y'all doing? We're great, We're baby. Great. Okay, I I just got a couple of real quick questions I wanna uh, want y'all to discuss. Yeah. Uh, the first one is about my pecan tree. <laughs> it's a pretty old, established pecan tree, mm-hmm. and uh, a few years ago I planted. A little, I guess, a little oasis uh, garden or whatnot up underneath it, right. you know, with some hostas, and I put ivy there. Mm-hmm. Now, the hostas, uh, you know, have died out, and I just haven't uh, put anything else under it. But right. that ivy, it it 
started climbing that tree. Yeah. And uh, it's just amazing how it has uh, just about taken over that tree. And a guy that was cutting my lawn uh, about a month ago, he said I needed to buy some Roundup something that would kill that ivy because it will inadvertently uh, end up destroying um, the tree. Is that true? There's so many options. We'll talk about that when we get back from the break. And did you have another question? Yeah, yeah, the gladiolas in my garden, they are not blooming yet. And this time last year, they were blooming so pretty. And I have seen And I want to know if the cold, if that really bad winter that we have, is that the reason why my gladiolas are not blooming yet? All right, Miss Vicki. Well, we got to take a break, baby, and we'll answer those two questions when we get back. And if you want to give us a call, 260-5926. The Mid-South's conservative blowtorch, the Mighty 990 KWAM. Good morning, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Let's see. Our questions were... Miss Vicki. Yes, we'll start with the pecan tree. She had ivy, English ivy, growing up the tree. Well, yeah, and it's no problem having ivy growing under a tree, even a pecan tree. I'd prefer not to, but you surely can. Uh, I just don't like the idea of having ivy growing up in the tree. Now, if you don't want to get rid of the ivy that's under the tree and you want to get rid of the ivy that's growing up in the tree, just at ground level, just cut the ivy off around the trunk of the tree and everything above that's going to die, right? And Jim, you're saying you really don't, do you mind ivy being in a tree overall? You don't like it. Well, yeah, it's, it's not technically hurting the tree. But it can hide issues. In, now, insects, yeah, water. If, if it's allowed to grow out mm. on the limbs where it covers foliage, then yes, it is hurting the tree. Kind of like kudzu down, walk, right. driving through the delta. But like I've got um, Asiatic jasmine growing mm. up my tree to about eight feet or so. And you okay. keep it cut there. No, I, yeah, no, it it, that's as far as yeah. it grows. It yeah. just yeah. stops and then has, starts to hang over yeah. after that. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I think it has some something to do with how moist the bark is staying. You know, it has to be moist for it to attach, really. Mm-hmm. If it's dry, it really doesn't want to do that. So, you know, it, I think it's healthier for the tree in the long run not to have it I on agree. the yeah, trunk. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then but the I'll, other thing I was thinking was that if you're trying to get pecans, you don't want anything stealing energy. So but maybe also, Veda, when you're trying to get pecans and they drop off the tree, it's going to be a little harder to get the pecans if yeah. you've got a big ground cover up right. under the tree. Now, if you want to get rid of it all, you can spray the whole thing on the trunk of the mm-hmm. tree, the ground with Roundup, and it will not hurt your tree. Yeah. The tree will be fine, and you will, um, after an application or two, right. control all of the ivy. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's easy to get rid of. Yeah. So bottom line, it's better to have it without, but if you like the look... It can you be can done. You can keep it there, but, but take but, it's really but cut better. it at ground yeah. level around the trunk of the tree yeah. and keep it out of the tree. I try to get I try to find that balance sometimes between the beauty and then what the beauty can cause in a negative way. Yeah, and but I it's love just pretty much just get it all. You know, there. I let ivy grow all the way to my and out on my roof at one point on yeah. the front of my house. I love the way it uh-huh. looks, you know, on, in old English homes, yeah. how it's, yeah. I think it's just spectacular. As long as you keep uh-huh. it. But it does damage the brick mm-hmm. over time. Yeah. Uh, it can hide termite issues yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Uh, we had a squirrel that had, had cut a hole through there oh, and you really? couldn't tell. 
Yeah. So, um, you know. The, so that, yeah, snakes. So Ooh, fin- snakes. finally, you know, <laughs> so the, we took it off. So the bottom yeah. line is, I, at the very least, cut it at ground level mm-hmm. around the trunk of the tree. Keep it out of the tree. Yeah. And then even, to me, if you're harvesting pecans, I don't even want it under the trees. And yeah. Roundup would definitely kill it. And then the glads, Miss Veda. Uh, gladiolas that are not blooming. And these are glads that she had last year that came back. Uh, and I think that's okay. I mean, it's been so cool there again this spring that I haven't seen a lot of glads blooming yet, uh, depending on when you plant them. You know, I mean, you can plant glads pretty darn late in the spring, and they will just bloom later, right? Yeah. In fact, if you're putting them in for the first time, buy 100 or so and plant 10 once a week yeah. so that you really prolong your bloom period. Yeah. So I think her... now. Don't get me wrong. I mean, could she have some damage, not from the winter, per se, but she could have some damage from all the moist mm-hmm. weather, the water that we had this spring. And bulbs, you know, if they're if they're in an area where it doesn't drain and they stay too wet and cool, they can rot yeah. on you. So, but if you're getting growth from the ground, from the glads, and they just haven't bloomed yet, you're fine. Just be patient and they will. Well, and you said yours were not blooming. Yeah, yet. mine are not because blooming. Because we're yet. we're like ten days behind in a way on certain things because of the weather. Uh which reminded me of, of how people see things like for instance, we said she said the glads weren't blooming and I go, No, I've seen some glads blooming and then I realized I'm sure those were bought and mm-hmm. just planted, mm-hmm. you know. So, so a lot of people compare them their plants to other people's plants when the whole scenario is different. Yeah, right? I could go buy yeah. a blooming hydrangea and stick it out there, and you like, hold on, he's got a blooming yeah. hydrangea, and I don't. And <laughs> it was like because you bought them when they were blooming, <laughs> they were kind of out of the cycle, but they're established in uh, here, so they're waiting for the weather to hit the right time. A lot of things can be variables there. Yeah. Like yeah. You, usually, if your bed is mulched, they're going to bloom later than if it's not mulch yeah yeah because the ground warms up quicker yeah you know we never think in that direction that's so true also audrey uh texted in uh, audrey fielding he said should it should soil be different for vegetables versus flowers Mm -hmm. um short answer is no it's like if you do your basic compost prep you can usually grow anything but then we if you you want to get detailed like we were getting earlier Vegetables like more lime, azaleas like well, well less flowers lime. though, more but flowers. When, yeah, when we're just going with flowers, vegetable garden, and all, just a basic compost amending. Well, typically, you're pretty balanced. Typically, well. if you've got a soil that your vegetables are doing really well in, mm-hmm. that same soil your flowers would do really well yeah. in. Now, if you have a soil that is so porous and it doesn't have enough clay in it, and your vegetables are suffering. Well, that same soil, your flowers are yeah. probably going to suffer. So right. once you get a, you know, a nice blended soil uh, and then, you know, adding the compost in there if need be, if you're growing veggies, you can grow flowers and vice versa. They can definitely grow in the same type of soil, Audrey. Sounds good. Oh, another thing that uh, when people come in and ask, there's this tree and it's evergreen and it's blooming and there's no tree that's evergreen that can possibly be blooming at this time. Well, magnolias can, can't well, they? Well, no, I'm just saying like in a general, t- not right now, but like in yeah. a general question. And then you find out that a vine was growing up through the tree and come and you could see the blooms of the vine, but we're visualizing as a tree blooming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and really quick, also, let me say this, you know, Shirley called in and wanted to know uh, if she could grow tomatoes in a black bag or in buckets. And, you know, yes and yes. Um, but 
there are the new smart pots, which are the fabric pots, okay? Uh, and you put your soil in there and plant whatever vegetables you want. But I overall think vegetables grow better in porous containers than they do in, say, a plastic bucket. All right, y'all. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next weekend in the Mid-South Garden.